The following message is from the audio ministry of Coastal Community Church. We trust you'll find it helpful and encouraging. Now, here's Pastor Chris Rollins. Welcome to At The Movies today. I'm Pastor Chris. Uh, Great to have you with us this morning, and uh, we're glad that you're here. Over the years, there's no doubt uh, that this sermon series, At The Movies, has become uh, one of our favorite, kind of a a definite summer tradition, and we're going to have a lot of fun uh, with this series like we usually do here at Coastal. How many of you love movies? We got any uh, movie lovers here? I mean, you just love going to the movies. Okay, great. You might not know this. If you've been a part of Coastal, I'm sure you've heard this over the years, but believe it or not, where we are sitting right now in, in this location... Uh, here on this property, this used to be a drive-in movie theater, believe it or not, back in the day. Uh, that was way before most of you, I believe, uh, were born. Uh, it was like in the 40s and the 50s. So, uh, but anybody remember drive-in movies? Anybody go to see a drive-in movie? Like, uh, remember Rivers Avenue before they started showing porn there? That was a drive-in, <laughs> drive-in movie theater back in the day. Um, but without a doubt, you know, our, our culture today has a love affair uh, with the movies. In fact, one of the reasons why we, why we do this series is that I like to say that our culture today, the world that we live in, gets a lot of what it believes about life, about spirituality, uh, about, uh, about a lot of different things from the movies they watch and the music that they listen to. Now, I'm not saying that they get it right uh, I, I don't think they do, okay? But what I am saying is that through movies and through music, uh, questions are raised. Uh, people are asking uh, questions, raising issues, and the good news for us is we've got answers. You know, so instead of going to extremes of either just not really caring about the culture and maybe even just imitating culture, or the other extreme of just purely condemning the culture, or I think what's even worse, just to ignore it altogether. Instead, why not seek to engage the culture? Why not point them to truth? Why not do what Jesus did? In fact, in John 3, 17, you all know John 3, 16. John 3, 17 says, for God did not send the son into the world to condemn it, to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So here's what we're gonna do. For the next six weeks, we're going to take a look at some real life truth and uh, themes from current or recent movies and, uh, and talk about them here on Sunday morning. Now, don't, don't confuse or misunderstand or mistake what we're going to do, okay? Pastor Chris has not gone liberal. You know, we're not going, I'm not going to start preaching, you know, from the movies themselves, okay? All the movies are, they're just a hook. We're just going to use them as a hook, okay? To look at some issues that they might raise, or some themes, or some questions. And then what we're going to do, like we always do here at Coastal, is, man, we're going to open up God's Word, and we're going to point people to the truth. We're going to point people to Jesus. So, let's get started. How many of you have seen the new Star Wars movie that got released this past year? Now, I figure, you know, I know it's not an extremely recent movie, but it was this year, and it was definitely the biggest movie, the biggest release of this past year. In fact, I I said I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. There you are, Eve Blumenstock, right there. Now, Eve told me earlier today, or yesterday, actually, I think is when it came up, I think, that she has never seen any of the Star Wars movies. Boo, everybody just boo. Now, is there anybody else here that has never seen a Star Wars movie? Okay, there, man, there's like, look at all these losers. What have y'all done? Goodness, you've got a homework assignment. Go home and watch. These are part of our culture here. 
Um, but this was the, the biggest movie of the year that, that came out. And, you know, there's no doubt. Star Wars is an American uh, movie uh, phenomenon, franchise co- created by George Lucas, uh, you know, depicting the adventures of various uh, awesome characters from a, from a long time ago in a galaxy where... See, you've got to see this, guys. You've got to see this. The series started back in 1977 and, again, became a pop culture worldwide phenomena, uh, followed by uh, some successful sequels, uh, The Empire Strikes Back, uh, The Return of the Jedi. Man, that was the 80s. That was my life. Uh, and those were the original Star Wars trilogy, although I know you know that there didn't, there's, they're not actually episodes one, two, and three. Anyway, uh, a prequel trilogy was later released, uh, which I'm still trying to figure out, but between 1999 and 2005. And from you know, Star Wars fans and critics uh, received mixed reactions compared to the, 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 first set, the first trilogy. But all six films, you might not know this, were either nominated for Academy War, Awards or they actually won Academy Awards. They were huge commercial successes. The seven movies, listen to this, have, co- have a combined box office revenue of right around $6.5 billion. $6.55 billion. Making Star Wars the fourth highest grossing film franchise series of all time. Now you have to have you know, three or more to be considered a franchise or a series in, in this particular ranking. Now here's some movie trivia for you. If Star Wars is the fourth highest grossing film series or franchise of all time, what are the top three ahead of it? Anybody know? Anybody guess? Okay, not Godfather. It should be. That should be number one. Not Jurassic Park. Those are good. Those are in the list. Anybody? Not Rocky. Harry Potter. There you go. Very good. Actually, Harry Potter is number two. The number two. Now, you might not guess number three. I'm going to... It, and, and really, it's because of the, the number of movies in the series, both old, 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 and current. James Bond. Ah, it makes sense. That's the third. There's 26 movies in the James Bond series. I know. Okay. Uh, let's see. So number three, James Bond. Number two, Harry Potter. And the number one highest grossing film franchise series of all time. And I didn't really... You actually have to think about it that, oh, yeah, that probably is a, a franchise, a series. You ready? Marvel Comics. Marvel, because think about all the movies that it includes Spider Man, Captain America, Thor, uh, Iron Man, The Avengers. All that is a part of you know the Marvel Comics series. So, this latest Star Wars movie released this past December. Get this has already risen to the third highest grossing movie of all time, and people believe that it'll easily surpass uh, the other two probably by the end of the year. So, can you guess the other two? Titanic. I mean, just a terrible, awful story. Who? I mean, like, come on, you know, oh, you know, whatever. Anyway, um, so that's number two. Do anybody know number one? Avatar. Avatar. Now, what's crazy about those two movies, though? Completely different, you know, movies. You know, historic, you know, kind of uh, fiction, you know, thing, and then you know, science fiction. Uh, they, were, they were both directed, produced, and written by the same man, James Cameron. You need to get to know him. He is a wealthy man. Okay. Um, so, 
There, there are no doubt all kinds of different, I would even say spiritual themes uh, in this particular Star Wars movie, this particular installment of the, uh, the franchise, the series. And I could go a lot of different directions today and talk about a lot of different themes and, and, and things. And for example, we could talk about free will. Uh, we could talk about revenge. You know, even in the clip, you see, you know, good versus evil. That's there. And then in, in most of the Star Wars movies, particularly this one, uh, there is the whole, the need for community and friends and all of that. So, I mean, there's a lot of obvious themes interwoven throughout the movie and really in the entire series. But there's one particular theme in this installment that, that really stands out to me. And it's kind of a return maybe to the original theme and the original three. And it's so obvious to me, and it, it's in the tagline uh, of the title of the movie. It's called Star Wars the what? The Force Awakens. And man, there's definitely kind of a return to the emphasis of the Force. And you see that and hear that you know, throughout the entire movie. Now, this movie is set, of course, 30 years uh, after the return of the Jedi, the destruction of the Death Star. And so there's the last remaining Jedi. Who is that? Luke Skywalker, and he's disappeared. The First Order has risen from the fallen Galactic Empire, and they are seeking to eliminate the New Republic. Now, the Resistance has risen, as they are called, and they're backed by now... Uh, and well, they're led by Luke's twin sister. Who is that? Princess Leia. Although now she's no longer Princess Leia, she is now what? General Leia. And uh, then there's all kind of familiar faces that you get to see in this, this movie, which is awesome. You know, Han Solo and, of course, Chewbacca, which he made an appearance here today at Coastal, and R2-D2, and, you know, to name a few. And, and then there's a bunch of new memorable characters uh, in this movie, Finn and Rey and Kylo Ren and, and a new droid, uh, BB-8. But to me, the real star of the show, again, is the return of the Force, and its prominence in the movie. Now, have you ever wondered, you know, what exactly is the Force? You ever, ever think about that, wonder what it really is? Uh, uh, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi once said this about the Force. Listen to this. The Force is what gives a Jedi his power. It's an energy field created by all living things. It surrounds us and penetrates us. It binds the galaxy together. Actually, George Lucas was once quoted as saying that he created this concept of the force. He said, to awaken a certain kind of spirituality in young audiences. And uh, he said that there is a choice today between good and evil. And then he said, the world works better if you're on the good side. And of course, the, the phrase that's become a kind of a pop culture you know, uh, phrase for us today is what? There you go. May the force be with you. Now, here's the transition. Okay, here's the hook. Fortunately, for believers, for followers of Jesus, listen to me, we have something, or far more accurately, we have someone far better, far more personal, far more real and powerful than just some ubiquitous, metaphysical, mystical, unnamed force of the universe. You know who we have? Man, we have the Holy Spirit. 
the Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity, and that is who I want us to talk about today. The Holy Spirit is all over the Bible. Page after page, from the beginning to the end, he is mentioned over 800 times. Obviously, he's a kind of a big deal. The truth is, God wants you, listen to me today, he wants you to live a spirit-filled, spirit-empowered life. He does. Now, I don't know about you, and a lot of this really does depend on your own personal uh, religious upbringing, your own journey of faith, so to speak, you know, your, your heritage growing up. But when I was growing up, honestly, the Holy Spirit kind of weirded me out a little bit. Okay, he just did. I mean, I, you know, in fact, and let me explain. And again, I grew up here in Charleston. I grew up on James Island, a particular church. I'm not going to tell you which church it was, but it was a great church. But any church that I, that I knew about that was way into the Holy Spirit was a little strange to me, okay? Now, again, some of you might laugh a little bit because you kind of, you know, that's your heritage and you grew up in, in those particular churches. But for me, man, their services lasted forever, like for hours. And, I, and I've got friends in different denominations and I might visit, you know, their church a time or two. And man, they would do some weird things. I mean, they would dance during the service sometimes. People would actually pass out. And, and then they would speak in all these strange languages. And so in my mind as a young kid, I thought, I mean, it was a freak show. And I thought, wow, that's, if that's the Holy Spirit, he's weird and I don't want anything to do with it. Now, the problem is, though, is that, that, is a, that that's a huge issue or a huge problem for most Christians today when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Because we tend to do what we always do on issues. We, we camp out on one of two extremes, okay? And, and, and in some churches that you might say have somewhat of, a, of an overemphasis on the Holy Spirit or something like that, where the Holy Spirit kind of gets blamed and manipulated, okay? He gets blamed for everything and manipulated. And, and in fact, years ago, uh, and man, this was probably like 20... Honestly, it's probably about 24, 25 years ago. I actually went with a, another pastor friend of mine to um, a crusade at uh, an arena in Charlotte. I'm not going to tell you who the televangelist was, but he wears a white suit. And he's got big hair, or maybe not his big hair today. But anyway, um, and he would actually wave his hand over different sections of the auditorium and blow into the microphone, and he was telling people that he was giving them the Holy Spirit. And what would everybody do on those sections? They would fall over. Now, I was in a particular section, and we got, you know, we, he blew on us, and everybody else was falling down. And I went, oh man, I better at least crouch or something, you know? I mean, like, I just, I felt like a, a heathen. I thought, man, I just, and, and listen, that, that is one extreme. And let me just say, there is nothing in the scriptures that back that up. Listen, I'm not going to blow on you and you're going to fall over because you've got the Holy Spirit, okay? I, I don't really believe that's what the Bible teaches and that's what it works. But anyway, but that is an extreme, and, and that's a, a camp that a lot of people find themselves in. And yet, I would say that although that, you know, that seems somewhat prominent because of television and media, I think the biggest problem, though, for most followers of Jesus when it comes to the Holy Spirit is a, an actual underemphasis on the Holy Spirit. 
Because in a lot of churches, in fact, I would say probably in the church that I grew up in, really the Holy Spirit is just kind of a retired author. I mean, that's it. You know, I mean, he, he was there to help write the Bible, and when he was done with that, he's got nothing more to offer me anymore, or anybody else. He's kind of like that weird cousin that you, you have in your family, but you don't talk about, you know? Well, here's what I want to do today. I want to give you, I would say, a, a biblical overview of who is the Holy Spirit, and what does he do? And, and my prayer is that we would all grow to know him. And experience God and his power and his presence a little more intimately through his Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is not a metaphysical, mystical force. In John 14, Jesus is comforting the disciples. And he's actually explaining that, you know, he's going to go away. And he's going to turn to the Father and that he's going to go and prepare a place for them in heaven. And then he says, get this, that he's going to send someone. And see, by the way, the Holy Spirit is, is a person. Okay, He's going to send someone who would be even better than him, the Bible says. In fact, he says in verses 16 and 17, listen to this. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor who will never leave you. Jesus is saying, hey, God's going to send someone else to be your advocate. Some people, some translations say helper. And he's not just going to come and go, you know, descend and depart, kind of like what you see over and over again in the Old Testament. But now he's going to come and he's going to be with you forever. Verse 17, he is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world at large cannot receive him because it's not looking for him and doesn't recognize him. Jesus goes on to say, but you do. Because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Jesus is saying, okay, now he's with you through living in and through me, through Jesus. But a time is coming when he will live in you and through you. So who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit literally is God in spirit form. He he is the one, the Bible says, advocates advocates for us. He, He prays for us. He is our counselor, our comforter, our helper. He is God God in the spirit form called alongside of us to be with us, inside of us, to literally now be our friend. Now let me ask you a question. Think about this. Would you rather have the spirit, the Holy Spirit, or Jesus in the flesh with you? Now, I think most of us would probably say, well, of course, Pastor Chris. I would would much rather have Jesus in the flesh. I mean, think about how cool that would be to have Jesus physically present with us. I mean, you know, you're you're hanging out with Jesus and and you get a migraine. You're like, oh, my head hurts. Jesus. He's like, poof. You know, headache gone. I mean, how awesome would that be? I mean, you know, what could be better than that? Maybe, you know, your dog gets run over by a car. You're like, Rover is dead, Jesus. And he's like, Rover, rise. And, and, And Rover rises from the dead and he barks and he's playing with you. I mean, that would be so awesome. Or your cat gets hit by a car. I mean, Jesus could do the funeral. That would be so cool. You got to think about that one. Okay, so. But it seems like that'd be the best thing ever. But, you know, what's so awesome 
is that Jesus actually says that there's something far better for us than just him individually in the flesh. John 16, 7, but it is actually best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the counselor won't come. If I do go away, he will come because I will send him to you. So what does the Holy Spirit do? Now, the simple answer is everything, everything. But honestly, think about the church today. I mean, there are a lot of people today in this world who claim to be believers, claim to be Christians, and yet they don't look, seem, or act any different than anybody else in the world. You know, sadly, they're still caught up in the same garbage that everybody else is. Their prayer lives are flat or or non-existent. They're afraid, struggling, gripped with fear, worry, anxiety. I mean, you know, sure, again, they might say they believe in Jesus, but they're living powerless lives. So why? Why is that? Well, I think one reason today might be that they are living spiritless lives. Listen, God wants his children. He wants you, you. He wants you to live a spirit-filled, spirit-empowered, spirit-led life. Now, I think there's a couple of reasons why people might not be doing that. Let me give you two. I'm sure there are more, but this is at least two. One, again, I think some people just aren't aware of the Holy Spirit. They aren't aware of who he is, what he does, how he, you know, acts, how he moves. I mean, you know, again, maybe you're, you're like that. Maybe you would say, yeah, you know, Pastor Chris, honestly, I've heard of the Holy Spirit, but I don't really know what he does. You know, there's actually an interesting story in the Bible found in Acts chapter 19, and it says this, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled, traveled through the interior provinces. Finally, he came to Ephesus, where he found several believers. Okay, so these are believers, right? These are followers of Jesus. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We don't, we don't really know what you mean. You know, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Now, some of you might be in that same boat. Now, you have the Holy Spirit because you are a believer and you've heard about him. But honestly, maybe that's about it. And yet, the thing is, there is this whole other world of, of power that's available to you through God the Holy Spirit, and you just, you just don't really know much about it. Now, a lot of Christians are going through life, what I'm saying, without strength, without power, without victory, when all along there really is a power available to them greater than what we could ever imagine. In fact, the Bible says that the very same spiritual power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to those of us who believe. He'll fill us, direct us, comfort us, guide us, counsel us, empower us, And he's available to you. But that's one reason. You know, we just, some people aren't aware. Uh, There's a second reason, I think. Some people resist the Holy Spirit. Number two, they they resist him. You know, maybe there's been some point in your life where you felt like God was prompting you. Let's use that word. Prompting you to do something. You just felt like, you know, again, it wasn't an audible voice or anything like that. But you, you, you felt that you were being led to do something. And then you responded with, I don't want to do that. I mean, you basically just said no. Or maybe you were about to do something that you knew in your heart 
was it right? In fact, you, there was a definite sense of, don't do that. You know that's wrong. And yet you responded with, I'm going to do it anyway. I really want to do that. Now, let me explain. What you just did in both cases is you pushed the Holy Spirit of God away. Maybe the Holy Spirit has prompted you to bless somebody else, to be generous, to give something away. And, I mean, you really, you really yeah, you know, and it was, it was there, you felt it. You know, again, you might not have been able to put a word on it or you didn't hear an audible voice, and yet you responded with, nah, that's mine. I'm not going to do that. Here's what I'm saying. You need to be careful. Because you can resist the Spirit of God so often and for so long that you become a little numb to Him. You don't hear His voice as well. Maybe a biblical term would be your heart becomes hard to the prompting of the Spirit of God. In fact, in Acts chapter 7, Stephen is uh, chewing out, basically, preaching at the Sanhedrin before he is stoned to death for preaching about Jesus. And listen to what he said. You stubborn people, you are heathen at heart, and you are deaf to the truth. Pretty straightforward, right? Pretty blunt. But listen to this. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That's what your ancestors did. And now you're doing the same thing. Could that be said about you? You know, somebody might say, well, you know, Pastor Chris, I'm not sure it's the Holy Spirit. I'm not sure he's prompting me or moves me or, you know, speaks to me. It could be that you've resisted the Holy Spirit so often and for so long that your heart is hard to him. It's a little bit like my wife, Janet. You might not know this about my wonderful, beautiful wife, but she always wants to make out with me. I mean, it's an obsession. I mean, I, you know, hey, she wants me all the time. And I mean like all the time, really uncomfortable places. I'm just, you know, I'm not like that, you know. And she's just pushing herself on me, always wanting to make out with me. And I resist, I do. I resist her for as long as I can, but eventually she wears me down, and yes, I give in to her and minister to her needs. And, um, you know, because I'm a good husband. You know, I'm like that. Now, imagine if you would that she's always coming after me, and I, oh, I know, that's a stretch, okay. But I, I always resist her. Now, after a while, what's going to happen in that scenario? She's, you know, she's not going to push herself on me anymore. I mean, she's going to give up. I mean, if I, if I always resist, if I never listen, if I never give in, listen to me for a second. The Holy Spirit of God is not going to push himself on you either. Now, he'll draw you. He'll lead you. But if you keep resisting him, your heart can grow so hard that you just don't recognize the promptings of the Spirit anymore. And so I think there are people, a lot of people, they're living that spiritless life. 
because they're either not aware of the Holy Spirit or they've just resisted him for so long. Now, if you can get past that, if you can get to know him and stop rejecting him, there are all different kind of ways that he can minister to you. And again, I've only got time today to give you three, just three brief ways that the Holy Spirit of God can minister to us. Number one, the Holy Spirit will comfort you. If you'll listen to him, if you'll let him, he will comfort you. He is called sometimes our comforter. In fact, in John 14, 16, we looked at it earlier in the King James Version, it says this, I will pray that the Father, I will pray to the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. This is that comforting presence of God, the Holy Spirit coming into your life in a very real way when you are hurting, when you are struggling. Now, think about this. Maybe you've been hurting. Maybe you have been going through a very, very difficult uh, circumstance, very difficult situation. And, and, you know, maybe you picked up the Bible and you started to read it, or you were listening to a worship song, or you were, you were trying to pray, and, and maybe you couldn't even get the words out, and you're just crying before God. And I don't know how to explain it other to say that all of a sudden you just experience what, what you would, would say is just a real sense of peace. Just a sense of peace. Now the interesting thing is that your circumstances didn't change, okay? The problems didn't go away. They weren't solved. But all of a sudden you had this, this real sense of of being loved and being cared for by God and that he was going to walk with you. Listen to me, that is the presence of the Holy Spirit. He is comforting you with a peace, as the Bible says, that goes way beyond any human understanding. He will comfort you if you'll listen to him and be more aware of him. Number two, the Holy Spirit will also counsel you. The Holy Spirit will counsel you. Jesus said it this way in John 16, 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. Maybe you're, you're going through something, and, and quite honestly, you just don't know what to do, and so you just start praying, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit gives you a sense of clarity about something, a sense of direction, a sense of wisdom. You have a little bit of discernment. That is the counseling nature of the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. You know, you ever... You ever um, watch the news, and you see that uh, the, the, uh, the, the news anchors, they're wearing these, these earpieces, okay? They're wearing an earpiece. Well, what's happening there? They're constantly being fed information during the program, you know? Maybe there's a breaking news story. Maybe they're being told to bring up a particular question. Uh, maybe, uh, you know, there's something, you know, that their clothes need to be adjusted or something silly like that. There's this voice in their head that leads them you know, through the process. I don't know if you've ever noticed it or not, but my son Christopher, over here to uh, my left, your right, uh, there's the microphone there. You ever see him speaking in the microphone and you're thinking, what are you doing because I can't hear you? You know, you're talking, I see you talking in the mic, so what's going on? Well, you might not be aware of this, but everybody else on the stage, they all have in-ear monitors. And so he's actually talking to them. You know, telling them what to do, do this, don't do this, we're going to lead into this now. Uh, he's kind of like the Holy Spirit. Now, anyway, okay, um, <laughs> What I'm saying is this, in a very similar way, God can work in your life through his constant presence, through his spirit. And so when you're just aware of the spirit's presence and you're aware of his, of his leading nature, you can go through your day knowing that he's with you. 
And I'll be honest with you, you know, it's not that I hear, I don't hear an audible voice, but he is real. His presence is real. And I, and he leads me. I mean, you know, it's like, you know, something like, you know, reach out to that person, you know, comfort them, say something encouraging to them, pray for them right now, make this decision. Or how about this? Don't do that. You know, don't say that, say this, this would be pleasing to God. What I'm saying, it's an awareness of the spirit of God guiding me. That's the spirit-led life. You know, we talk about, you know, not walking by sight only, but walking by what as believers? We walk by faith. Well, what is that? That's the Holy Spirit of God. That's his presence with us and guiding us. We don't walk just by what we see. We walk by faith. Maybe you can't always explain it, but what I'm saying is you need to be more aware of his presence and you need to listen to his prompting. Number three, not only will the the Holy Spirit of God uh, uh, counsel you and comfort you, number three, he will also convict you. John 16, eight, when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt uh, in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. What is conviction? Now, I don't want you to think about about it in terms of being, you know, convicted for a crime, being found guilty of something. It's more like a conviction in the sense of, uh, being, you know, a, a strong sense of belief about something, a certainty about something. You are convicted about this. It is the work of the Spirit to convince you that something you've said or done or about to do is wrong. And then to turn away from it and to turn toward God. That's, a, that's another uh, definition of repentance, repent. You know, sometimes we hear that word and like, ah, you, know, you kind of shy away from it because you, know, you just think of it in terms of you know, being on some placard or a sign or a sandwich board, somebody screaming and yelling at everybody. Okay, repentance just means turn away from your own way and the world's way and the way that you know is wrong and turn toward God. You know, that, that's, that's conviction. You know, sometimes we confuse that with condemnation. Condemnation is from the evil one. Condemnation is meant to tear you down. Condemnation shouts at you, you're a loser, you're a failure. You know, look at what you did. There's no hope for you. That's condemnation. The conviction of the Holy Spirit says, turn away from that. That's wrong. Come back to Jesus. Come back to the truth. Find forgiveness. You can find peace and freedom. That's conviction. The Bible says Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save the world. Romans 8.1 says there is now no condemnation in, for those of us who belong to Christ Jesus. God's not waiting to beat you up. He is longing for you to come home to him. Condemnation just shows you the problem. The conviction of the Holy Spirit shows you the answer. Condemnation shouts at you, your past, your sin, you're a loser. Conviction says the blood of Jesus can wash away your sins. You are forgiven. Walk toward God. Even today, right now, some of you are being convicted by the Holy Spirit. There is something in your life that is not what it should be. And there is this sense in your heart, in your mind, I should not do that. You are being convicted. You're doing something. You're heading down a path. 
you are being convicted by the Spirit of God. There are others of you here today and you are being drawn to God right now and you don't know why. You came here to Coastal, maybe even for the very first time. Let me tell you something. You are not here by accident. God is drawing you to himself. And you're not sure why or what's going on. Listen, you're not here just because you Googled us. You're not just here because a friend invited you and said you'd get a free movie ticket if you showed up. Or you're not here because you're going to fill out a dozen connect cards and put them all in the offering bucket thinking that you might win a prize. God's drawing you to himself. That's the Holy Spirit. He is convicting you of your need for him. The Holy Spirit is here. And every single one of us, we all have choices. Listen, you can surrender to him or you can keep resisting him. But don't do that for too long because your heart will go, grow cold and you won't hear his voice as easily. God, the loving father, sent his one and only son, Jesus, who lived a sinless life. He died and rose again so that you could know him and have a relationship with him and be empowered and led by him through his Holy Spirit to live a life that would honor and glorify God. Now, Coastal, may the Holy Spirit of God be with you. You've been listening to a message from Pastor Chris Rollins of Coastal Community Church. For more information about Coastal, or to explore what your next step of faith might look like, check us out online at coastalcommunitychurch.org. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, thanks for listening.